Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Doc, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large out in Los Angeles. I'm in New York. We've got a lot of stuff going on, movie-wise, of course. But Ann, I got to tell you, the big thing on my mind right now is that we have a midterm election on Tuesday. How are you feeling about it? Well, I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> I'm a little yeah, bit grim. Here. I did. I same finished here. up my postcards, you know, Good. for what, I, for what it's Proud worth. Of you. And, you got to do something. Uh, you know, I, I have to, I mean, I, I know the Democrats are trying to get their message out, but I just hear over and over again, these business people on the radio saying inflation, inflation, inflation. And the, there's some knee jerk belief that that is widely held by many Republicans and many independents that somehow if you vote for the Republicans, it's good for the economy. There is no evidence of this whatsoever. Right. Also, there's just this notion that somehow like hold your nose and vote for the party you think will improve your life is a good way to vote. Like, yeah, we know that they're bad for democracy and they're all, you know, like basically piling up behind Trump. But, hey, the Republicans are fiscally conservative and we need that in Washington or whatever. Like that logic is really frustrating, too. There's something super greedy about it's it. It's so deeply held and it's 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 almost instinctive. It's almost like something that they've inherited in, in the DNA that they can't get rid of. It's it's a bizarre thing that isn't true at all. If you look you at know, all the bull. evidence, it's bull. And and hopefully we'll pull this off. I spent some time calling people in Philadelphia. And one thing that's been on my mind, actually, it's reminded me of this because you mentioned what they're saying on the radio is so much about how these things go is informed by the media cycle and also the kind of decisions that the media makes. I mean, in in award season, we experience this with the Oscars to some degree, right? We see through it. We we understand where the manipulations lie. I don't trust the media one, one bit. I, I don't trust it at all. I, yeah, uh, I feel more acutely aware of it in in a way, especially when you get in, when you engage when you make calls. Like so, for Philadelphia, it's really fascinating to me. We all know because we we've paid way more attention to this in recent years than than for the, for obvious reasons that things like debates, for example, don't really sway elections usually. But then when the Philadelphia debate happened, the media reported it as like, well, Fetterman had a stroke, so he performed badly. And that's definitely going to affect things in a, in a big way. Do I don't believe that it will. I, believe I thought it was nonsense. People are going to vote for the person that's going to represent their point of view, no matter yeah. what. And, and I, I called people in could, Philadelphia and it didn't could, come that up. That could happen. Yeah, I, I do think Fetterman has has a, a real shot. But I also, I was thinking about it because this is also what happens with the, with award season, right? It's that the more that you get pushed a certain kind of narrative and things are talked about in a certain kind of way, you, you start to sort of feel like you have to repeat them that way. And then the, the, that's basically kind of the, what, what marketing sells. And then there's the reality, which is that a handful of people vote 
and they vote in different kinds of ways. I mean, you often give me the reality check of, you know, say Academy voters aren't critics. They have their own way of of, of sort of doing And they're that. not New Yorkers, all and of them. Well, we got some. <laughs> we got some. Actually, they're very international, too, which is another thing that, that you is- You came up forget. with a figure of 50%, which I think is too high. It's it's more like a third. It's about it's it's about I think it was fifty percent of new members. Okay, because you you had a story yeah. that I was looking at and I went, yeah. Eric, that's not yeah, no, no, fifty percent of new members though, but which is significant because that that was the figure that took them across the ten thousand uh, right. line. So right, it is right. changing, and it, maybe it's not changing. It's not like a growing. It's continuity still critic. dominated by white men, and, yeah. and 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 that hasn't changed. And, and and our electoral process isn't necessarily, but the government is still, and that's an issue. So I don't know how far I can take this analogy, but I you're do going, feel like you're it's... stretching <laughs> a little bit. Um, and and you know the other thing, Eric, is is we don't have to talk about the Oscars all the time. We don't. You know, we it's we not don't. the only and world we live in. The, the world of 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 Twitter is is also something that I'm obsessed with at the moment. Since that's yeah, how are you I dealing with most whole... of my waking time? Um, yeah, the and, Elon and of it all. Watching the Elon Musk of it all, the interchange with Stephen King, uh, you know, where he like was haggling with him, taking the twenty dollar a month fee for having. Uh, a blue check uh, verified uh, identity on Twitter. Now it's eight uh, bucks. Bringing it down to eight bucks <laughs> is if that would make a difference. A and also the idea that that he thinks that so, that he can make money this way, and that and that all the all the the money that they make on Twitter is from advertising, and the advertising universe is extremely skittish about Twitter right now and because they think a lot of hate and and vitriol and nastiness, which has come back in in, in a big way, uh, is going to take over uh, the site with led by this, you know, sort of bonkers billionaire who who is trying to influence uh, the world with with his he's like a he's like a villain in a Bond movie, this guy. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's really conflicting to me about this is that as you know, I'm a big space nerd and nobody has done more to kind of keep the science of space intact than Elon Musk because of SpaceX. In that domain, he really is a, a very important, I think, uh, significant for the future of scientific uh, experimentation. Uh, he's a very important figure. Which so so I wish he would stay in that domain and double down on that. He's also an engineer. He's a real engineer. He hired most of Tesla first. I think thousand or three thousand employees, something like that. I mean, when that Walter Isaacson biography eventually comes out, I think a lot of these stories are going to show the kind of paradox of somebody like this who's so wealthy and super obnoxious in public does do a lot of work of rolling up his sleeves and micromanaging things. I think the issue with Twitter that's really frustrating is that engineers are not journalists, they're not media people. You can't use an engineer's brain to fix the problem that this platform has with freedom of speech and hate speech and trying to reconcile those issues and then trying to create a business model around it that basically is just like, if you have money, you can have special privileges in this platform. I mean, it just doesn't, but then arguing with him and calling him out online and all this kind of stuff, it's like, I just want to tell Stephen King or AOC or all these people, clearly he doesn't, he doesn't care about the, the moral issues you have here. He just wants it to make money. And 
maybe it'll make a small profit because it hasn't been profitable of late, but it's not going to be the same product. And it's not going to be a very attractive product for those of us who have found it constructive over the it's years. A very, it's a very, uh, my, my followers have declined, by yeah. the way. I had, meet, I had reached a lovely new benchmark I was very proud of, but I'm, I'm down from that probably forever. That'll um, creep back. But, but the, uh, the idea is that you're having conversations with people and you're sharing likes and dislikes and whatever. And I, I, I control my Twitter so uh, <laughs> relentlessly that I get rid of a lot of the people I don't want to see or read or hear from, you know, I, I'm, I mute them if I'm, if they annoy me, sometimes I bring them back. Um, and see if they can, you know, keep me amused a little longer. But it, it's a it's it's a very uh, very uh, curated um, experience for me. If anyone is is paying attention to trolls on Twitter, it's because they're not curating their own Twitter experience. Well, that's I think that's part of what the game was being made here. Is if you have a complex enough relationship or a profound enough relationship to Twitter on a day to day basis, then the user experience is. Go, is in theory going to be so much better if you pay that eight bucks a month that you're going to want to pay that eight why bucks. is that though I, well we don't know enough but i, I mean that's i, what I don't know what to... difference it makes if i'm verified or not i i i know that my my that someone at my workplace got that verification for me right and you and everyone else right. on the team and i think that the uh question there is whether workplaces are going to pay that fee right yeah, yeah, I think, and and also celebrities too. I mean, it, the 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 way that Elon's trying to mock people by saying it's like a lords and peasants kind of a thing—that's under the assumption that like we like fought to get verified or something, or like we got it because of our status, and we don't want it taken away. It's more like, no, we've just never considered having to pay for this particular There's no way that I will thing. pay for that. Right, right. It's like, why it's would I happen. open? Yeah. It's I'm just happy not to lose it. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Right. Um, but then but what I'm not happens leaving either? I'm not, yeah, I'm are. not abandoning yeah. Twitter yet. If, if, if something really egregious occurs beyond the pale, I may have to consider that at which point I'm in trouble because I haven't built up my followings on, uh, you know, Instagram and so on. I'm, I haven't paid any attention to any other one. And so I'm going to be screwed if I, I probably should go ahead and make that happen. Make the effort. I mean, Instagram is pretty, you know, you can, I get great pics on there. I share them on Facebook too. The irony of, of all this stuff, you know, there's, there's a lot of entertainment people who are good at Twitter, but Paul Schrader is ahead of the curve with that Facebook page. You know, he, no, he's uh, very good. He's he's very good. And I'm on, I'm on Facebook too, but there's no, no, the numbers there are tiny compared to Twitter, at least in my case. Well, and it's a different kind of relationship. Facebook. That's much more of a to, friends thing. And it tends to, to be more complex, at least in terms of what people post. It seems more time consuming in a way people like to, post longer things there and then have conversations in the comments and yeah no i mean way. someone like michael gilmore posting at great length on the revolver uh background of, of the beatles and everything they did to make that revolver album it was fabulous just fabulous to read that at great length on, but there uh, is on a side of, of the entertainment industry that's really turned to social media as a way from like a marketing standpoint it's like how do we get famous people to tweet about this movie, for example? And if Twitter suddenly becomes not particularly attractive to Hollywood, it, then, you know, Hollywood has to look to other kinds of tools in a way. 
And I, I do wonder how that ends up impacting. Things. We're going to see that it's an evolution yeah. and the advertisers are going to either stay in or go away. And that could yeah. be a real problem for Elon Musk. Right, right. I mean, he had this one tweet where he was like, comedy is now legal on Twitter. And I was like, oh, great. So basically what you're saying is like, say whatever the hell you want that you think is funny. And if you get canceled, it's not our fault, but we're not going to you know, kick you out for it or whatever. So, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to play out for certain comics who maybe feel muzzled these days or whatever. You know, usually I feel like comedy that goes to those sort of extremes is not really that funny because it's just not particularly well done. So basically what he's saying is bad comedy is now legal on Twitter as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. But, um, you bad know, it's, it's, it's a weird it's a weird time. That's for sure. In the in um, in in the awards context, one thing that we have been looking at is the challenges that movies still face in theaters. And, you know, I don't think it's like, well, if you don't have a strong Twitter following, then you can't get people to go see your movie. But it does feel like the way in which you convince somebody to go see a movie has been in flux for a really long time, even before the pandemic. And a lot of people thought, you know, hey, if we invest in marketing through social media or whatever, then we can get all the young audiences to go. But obviously, it's a much more complicated thing now. So Armageddon Time is an yes, example of something that we saw at Cannes and we liked it a lot and a lot of critics reviewed it really well. It's a very local story set in the 80s in Queens. It didn't open well. I didn't really think it would. I, I wasn't expecting it to. It's a quiet, thoughtful, um, you know, serious movie. And and it also got um, a lot of complaints about the fact that James Gray shouldn't have had permission to tell the story of his best friend, who was a black kid in his neighborhood who went to his public school. No, I've and, seen some good defenses too. I mean, it isn't he isn't trying to tell the story. He's telling the story of being the white kid and having that black friend, as opposed to attempting to represent the point of view that he doesn't have so that's true he doesn't and he has the right to tell that story i have no question about that but it's it's i i anticipated back in can that this might happen you know that that there would be this query there would be this pushback and i don't think it did him any good at the box so office it's a 72k in four theaters it's it's a platform release for focus it's going to keep building i mean they'll keep it out there focus i mean they you know, look when the northmen were, the people were saying, opening, but, but they will and pump Eric, that they, movie they, it, the, 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 so you think word of mouth on armageddon time is going to be so fabulous no 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 that, let's up. you just went from 11 to 100 or something i'm i'm saying that this movie will probably be okay for focus in the long haul from a business standpoint because it will go into other remember they have this it'll go to peacock well, they'll, they'll do their pvod and, and so forth jeremy strong has a following and that'll do well for them there so it's not a huge movie for them i think they'll be fine with it from an award standpoint does this kill its chances of having any, i mean jeremy strong having that big following doing something very different in this film as it a loses actor. momentum it's always that man that that thing that we talk about and it, it you need it's a question mark you know you 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 know we're we we were looking at at um at the question of of the fablemans you know back in the day uh west side story got a little bit dinged you know because it didn't do well at the box office uh it still got seven nominations and, and one it okay but but it, you know, it wasn't the same as as if it had been a big hit and everybody loved it. And, you know, it was dinged for being a remake 
and and so forth. So you know you 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 can't you can't um, you can't move back you can't move forward really with a lot of energy if you don't do well at the box office is my point I think at the stage. Yeah. Well, and called Jane, which also opened last week, we talked about that way back at Sundance. So that was an Amazon release. It was in like well over a, a thousand theaters. And it that's made crazy. A two hundred and forty thousand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, that's that, not good. That would have been a good gross for Armageddon time in four theaters. A great gross. It's not even possible <laughs> in four theaters. But that's how relative this season is. So that movie, you know, even with its timeliness, I mean, perhaps from a discourse standpoint, would have been more timely right when Roe was overturned, which is when the Janes was sort of in the conversation and still is from an award standpoint. But call Jane the narrative about the underground abortion. Uh, uh, clinic, um, you know, so that that's sort I think of. It, I think it's it's a it's a good movie. I really liked it. I think Elizabeth Banks was terrific in it. It's I'm sure it was just way too many theaters and and not you know not not given a, a proper a proper platform. You you know the plat. So what's going on is that the platform releases start out stronger, and then you know some of them sustain and some of them don't. So you have uh, something like Tar which yeah. is actually, you know, at $2.5 million yeah. at this point, which is really quite good. It's and amazing Triangle for a movie like that. Sadness, yeah. you know, it is at 2.3, um, you know, and, and Banshees oh, yeah. is, is heading toward 800K. You know, it's, it's going to go wider this weekend in 800 theaters. So, yeah. you know, these it's are really the building. success stories. Uh, yeah. They're not as good as, they're not as strong as they would have been in another era. For example, um, the uh, th Ebbing, Missouri, that that Martin McDonough movie did twice as well as this. Right, right. Well, it also was a- It's know, also an American and, movie with a broader yeah. appeal. This is the, an Irish movie. Yeah, it's an Very Irish movie. Irish. It's small, you know, but it's got the Colin Farrell factor and it's got a lot of good reviews and stuff. So it's sort of, it's making its way through the ecosystem. On the other own. box office hit, which I, I think could factor, I, I still don't know where it will factor in the dock race, is Moon Age Daydream, which is over $4.2 million. That's a theatrical event. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. David Bowie gets people into theaters still. <laughs> and it's a dock, you know? Yeah. Still, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's certainly possible. I could see that on the short list and, and we'll see where that. Fablemans is going to be a very interesting question because it's so hard to really fathom what non-cinephiles are going to do with it you know a lot of people love spielberg right you know i mean people do love spielberg but are they that interested in his origin story there's a big cover story in the hollywood reporter about the origin myth of spielberg you know are we really i, I mean the movie itself is a fascinating thing i i'm i really can't wait to see it again but uh, I'm curious to see how it does at the box office, as well as it played in Toronto. And well, and so so Armageddon time was the first of these kind of like personal, you know, this established season. filmmakers looking and, back. Well, then they yeah. showed also uh, Empire of Light is is the other one, and Bardo. I mean, we've got a right. bunch and of them. So these haven't come out yet, but but it's it is it's, they it's played like the, they played festivals. They played and festivals. They got right. Yeah, but the Arm so Armageddon time you know, it's, it's the first to kind of have that chance in the market. Not that they're all the same kind of movie entirely. In a way they are. <laughs> there, is, there is a through line. There are a couple There's of There's a memoirish going on. Yeah, Auto men of a certain age and so forth. But then Spielberg also has more, I mean, there's a lot of respect for Satan Yaritu, but 
you know, Spielberg has has respect on a whole other level. And I have talked to Academy members who've seen the movie and really, really like it. I mean, they like it. They're the target audience. Yeah. I'm not worried about the Academy members. I'm more. I'm, I'm again. My question is, if it doesn't do well at the box office, is that going is that to have it? an impact yeah. on how people perceive the movie? That's the question I have. Yeah, and I think you're right. That's I mean, who goes to this movie. Who's not a cinephile? Do they go to it because it's they they want to see a family drama, or maybe because they like Michelle Williams? Or I mean, what even? I can't tell how it's being sold to people who aren't cinema it's first an odd night. duck we've talked about this it just is and it, it, it's it's sort of an unprecedented thing and because it, it's a it is an accessible emotional movie and i think the, the center of the movie is less to do with his making movies and why he wanted to make movies as it is about his relationship with his mother his very charged relationship with his mother and that is the most successful part of of the film i think yeah, and it is also, I mean, you're making the case for why on some level Michelle Williams may actually be benefiting from being a best actress contender instead of a supporting actress contender, even though she is definitely a supporting actress. I disagree that with that. I think oh, she, she, she was at the top of the call sheet at, at every day on that set. And she's- But she's, she's not the, the most, main character. She's the most dominant yeah. figure. The main character is a young boy yes. uh, who's having uh, a reaction to his mother who dominates the entire movie. There's no question that she's front and center in this film. It's only your perception, Eric. No, no, the I woman think in the film. No, is but not it's, front oh god, here we go. It's a sexist <laughs> assumption. That's it. You identify with the young man. It's literally about the male gaze, the evolution of the male gaze as a filmmaker, uh, in a way <laughs> that I think is actually really effective. And that's what's what's stri- I found what's most but striking. She's a about movie it. star, Eric. She's a movie star. No, I, and she, I get it. She is the biggest star in the film, and she is, in fact, uh, in her own mind the best actress, uh, uh, leading lady, and did not want to be subjected to a supporting role. Yeah, so that, and of course that makes that category so competitive. That's another question. So if Fablemans doesn't perform theatrically, is she still, you know, a real contender for that category? Probably, because the Academy likes the movie. She is overdue. She is overdue, but we have to, Grant that uh, Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh are pretty powerful contenders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, Till has been doing well. I know Till that. Till is doing well. Yeah. You know, I have. Movie, I definitely but... have underestimated Till, uh, and it's 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 got an A plus cinema score. It's doing well at the box office. It pulled in a, a whole segment of filmgoers that African American filmgoers, women. Yeah, older women. It's 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 they're identifying with the Danielle Deadweiler character, and they're going in droves. Um, so it's not your standard issue, uh, you know, art house audience at all. It's a big, wide, bigger, wider audience than you would expect. Yeah, and and Danielle Deadweiler, I think, is so good in the movie that she sort of overcomes some of the limitations of it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a small movie and it's it's obviously predictable in certain ways from a narrative standpoint. It's a bit heavy handed in, in terms yeah. of how it manipulates you, but her performance is undeniable. Yeah, yeah. So if there's one kind of discovery actress this year that really rises up, it feels like she's well positioned for that. It's Absolutely. interesting you talking about the black audiences and specifically black women turning out for this movie with Black Panther around the corner. I don't want to spoil things too much, but obviously, you know, there there are a lot of women who are front and center in this movie. And I do wonder 
how that ends up being a key aspect of it as well. I have to assume that Angela Bassett is going to be a not, you know, undeniable in supporting actress for Black Panther. Letitia Wright is a more uh, question questionable yeah. uh, entry, you know, because she's very good. She deserves it in terms of her performance and everything. But um, it's hard to say how people are going to react to the anti-vaxxer aspect of her or, you know, just the fact that it's a Marvel movie and and that's her character arc. She's going on a hero's journey there. But, you know, it's weird to put it in this context. Last year with Will Smith, people were saying, oh, isn't he an anti-vaxxer? Is he a Scientologist, et cetera, et cetera? He overcame whatever that was at that moment. We don't have to talk For about the what moment, the, he did. At yes. the moment he overcame that because he's Will Smith, right? There's a, there's another layer to him or there, at that moment in time, there was another layer to him that was so lovable that people just didn't, they, they looked past these kinds of flaws. And I do wonder with somebody like this, maybe her profile isn't big enough, but at the same time, Black Panther's profile is really powerful and people root for those. It's going to be an enormous, an enormously successful movie. And I, and the, the other movie coming along is Babylon and the other movie yeah. coming along is Avatar. And they are- Babylon, all, we got you know, screenings on the schedule now, finally, now which is for exciting. Babylon, November 14th, yeah. Yeah, so finally that becomes a real movie in the conversation. And I'm trying to figure out what kind of, I mean, speaking of like, you know, non-cinephiles versus cinephiles, like what the profile of this movie is, it's obviously something that celebrates Hollywood. It looks yeah, bonkers. If, if it turns out to be the day of the locust is the classic example of something that was a, a Hollywood, you know, here's how it really went down, you know, here how, here's how, how decadent and crazy it was, but nobody went. You know, it was it was a complete clunker. I I can't. It, it's period. It's old silent era Hollywood. It's yeah. decadence. I can't wait to see it. I'm the target audience, and, and I love Damien Chazelle. But he is not. His instincts are not always commercial. First Man was not a commercial movie. I loved it, but it wasn't. It didn't reach the audience. So yeah. you can't always count on him in that way. La La Land did, obviously. La La Land did, but it, La La Land had uh, these young stars looking hot and dancing around. I mean, it, it just was so memeable. So it's like, it, it's such a specific formula. There. If he kept making movies about people in that age bracket doing that, then yeah, yeah, he'd be golden. But it is an interesting question too. I mean, the uh, the Margot Robbie of it all, there are different theories about based on the trailer, you know, is, is this really going to be a showcase for her or not? But I love that she's also got Barbie around the corner. Like she's definitely swinging for no, the we like We like Margot Robbie. No, I'm open. I'm obviously eager and open, but, um, and I can't wait to see Avatar either. I yeah, mean, my God. You know, you know what I'm so wait. curious about with Avatar is Sigourney Weaver playing a teenager. I mean, like the magic of mocap, you know, knows no bounds when it comes to James Cameron. And yeah, um, he, he doesn't know. he doesn't mess around. So um, that's and then then there are some sort of smaller movies coming this week. For example, Causeway. Finally, which, coming out, yeah. uh, the New York Times did a big story on Jennifer Lawrence. She's a big star. She gets big play. That was the most Kyle Buchanan article ever, by the way, was that he spent the lead talking about explaining why Adele and 
Jen, Jen, Jennifer Lawrence went to a gay bar in New York, which was a thing that was of online, you know, just of a while ago. He He's like, we got to get the real story of how this happened. And it happened because they decided to go to the gay bar. So that was cleared. <laughs> also, she is not in an Adam McKay movie anymore. She's taking her time to figure things out. She's back. And it, Causeway is a really fascinating it's a choice. Solid story. movie. Solid yeah. movie. Very small, very, very quiet. Small it's going yeah. up on Apple TV Plus. I, I, I think Brian Tyree Henry totally holds his own with her and is extraordinary yeah, great. in it as well. So uh, I hope everybody looks at it. I hope they see it. But I, my guess is that it's not going to get a lot of traction. Well, I, I do. It, I have noticed that there is interest in this movie because Jennifer Lawrence, even without working for a while, still seems to have a really strong fan base, robust fan base, because. Hunger Games established her that Any way. Any fan base is based on how they want to see you, you know? So what I like to see here, what you're talking about, is that she she has made some decisions about what kinds of movies and filmmakers she wants to work with. Yes. And she's she's figured it out. You know, go indie, go with the directors, you know, don't don't make passengers, <laughs> you know, don't do that. Right. Um, so she's, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about her future. She's incredibly talented. She's an And she has a good... She has a good sort of like persona, which I think is oh, yeah. kind of good. You know, like she's really good at press stuff and, and, and creating that sense of, oh, that's a person you would hang out with. That's a cool person. Well, she and, plays authentic very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, not a big tweeter. Twitter is not no. what does that for you. Maybe Instagram a bit. But I, I also feel like there's there was like this misperception that you need to, to like engage with your fans to like really have that that sense of a relationship with them. You don't really have to do that. You just have to perform well when the cameras are watching you to, to kind of convince them that you're that person. I mean, like I said, Will Smith did that for a while. I think Jennifer Lawrence does that really well. Like when you watch these interviews, she just comes across as very natural in a Absolutely. way. Absolutely. That's makes her a skill. Difference. That's what she's good so at. Something could happen there. Well, next weekend, I'm sure we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. I mean, AFI will have wrapped, but Doc NYC will be starting up. And there's a bunch of other stuff that is ongoing, all kinds of different screenings and so forth. So I hope that we don't have to spend too much time unpacking the results of the midterm. But if people don't have a plan to vote, my God, please have a plan to vote. And, um, you know, okay. Godspeed. All right. Talk to you soon. Fingers crossed, Eric. Fingers crossed. Bye. See you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.